Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. In my little book, I just jot down everything God gives me. And then by the time we get to the day before, I have to sift out and to see how the Lord's pattern is for the day. And so in my little book, I've got a sticker with a heart drawn, and I just said, everything about the heart, you know? And that was my starting point. Now, it is a vast subject. Guys, we're just, just putting our little toe in the water. Do you know what I mean? And I know that there are a lot of you who know lots. So I'm not trying to be bringing something that is brand spanking new. I am just simply saying, let's just consider the heart today, okay? And so that's what I'm up to. And we're going to start with the scripture you've heard me use. I could have used it two weeks ago, who knows? But Matthew 22, because see, when I said, okay, Lord, this is exciting, I felt that the Lord said to me that I needed to focus on what he had said about the heart. So what did Jesus say? about the heart. Do you remember that there was a time, oh, a good number of years back, where you could get little bracelets, and it was WWJD, what would Jesus do? Do you know what I mean? And often, guys, I will go back and I'll say, what did Jesus say? And I'll go and get the scriptures from the gospels, where it records what Jesus said, and I'll write them out, because many times, many times my notes are written out scriptures, Because I want that scripture about the heart to penetrate my heart so that it changes me. And and this morning I got a text from Abby, often do on a Sunday morning. And it was, you know, what must we pray about? And I can't remember how you said it, Abby, but in terms of transforming. And exactly that is what the whole purpose is. If we're looking at the heart... We're saying, Lord, transform our hearts. Amen. It's not a static, guys. It's not a case of where is your heart, that's where you stay. It's a case of, Lord, here's my heart. Now, would you build? So, you know, eventually, because you've got to have a title for a sermon, don't you? So, you know, (laughs) the title I sort of settled on was, Gird Up Your Heart. Now, that sounds totally foreign because usually a girding up is that you're putting on armor and you, you know, you're protecting your heart like that. And that, I'm, I'm looking at it in terms of build up the strength of your heart. You know how the guys go to the gym? Look, I go and run. It's easier. And, but I know that ultimately what you're supposed to be doing is getting the six pack. Now, I, I think that ship has sailed for me. <laughs> terms of building your six-pack, you're always doing the right exercise. I've got my hand up in there. I don't think you do that for your six-pack, okay? You get down on the floor and you do those things where you do that. You know what I mean? (laughs) So that's what I'm saying about our heart. Yes, you want it to be tender because we want a tender heart before the Lord. But guys, we need to gird up our heart so that when the enemy tries to shoot arrows at us, We can say, oh, 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 no. 
Because we know what it is to have a strengthened heart. Amen. All right, so I want us to start with Matthew 22. And Jesus has this young lawyer. So verse 35. A lawyer, one of the Pharisees, asked Jesus a question. So when we see lawyer, don't think solicitor. Okay. A lawyer in the scriptures, a lawyer at the times of Jesus, was somebody who was very, very skilled with operating with the scriptures, with the, the law particularly. So the lawyer was an expert in the law of Moses. Okay. So one of these guys who was an expert in the law of Moses comes to Jesus and says, verse 36, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And Mark and Luke add, and all of your strength. Because that is a direct quote from Deuteronomy 6 verse 5. So Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, where it speaks of the might. Okay? So I thought, okay, because this is what I do, guys. Um, you know, I don't know whether I have shared this before, but... When I um, was doing a degree where theology was going to be involved and I was doing bib studs and I was getting really excited, my degree changed halfway because I was doing geography and psycho and then, and then God radically changed my life. You know, I, I had been saved at the start of the degree. So I'd been saved since I was 16, which is when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. I know. <laughs> but I'd been saved for a long, long time. But then there was this radical conversion. It was the time when Pete got saved. And so between the two of us, you know, we were a force. Um, and I'm so grateful to the Lord Jesus for that. We had to work through lots of things. Our marriage was almost on the rocks at that point. But God absolutely transformed it because he dealt with each of us in terms of where was our spirit. And, and so he built up our hearts. He built up our spirits. And as he did that, we just found that we were being drawn together. And suddenly the things that had caused the majors, that were causing the, the real kind of, um, that was why I never wanted us to come and be transparent because I had no clue what Peter was going to say. <laughs> you know what some of you have been through? <laughs> Where you got the two of you to sit here and, and Rod ask questions. I just thought, what is Peter Billingham going to say? And I said to him, we just hold out on that, okay? <laughs> I didn't know where he was going to take us back to. <laughs> Jesus, help us. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But I'm absolutely serious about that. So if any of you guys are in a situation where your marriage is a bit tricky at the moment, I don't mean broken like ours was. I mean where it was tricky, okay, where it is tricky at the minute. Do not despair. Commit it to Jesus and take note of today. And get your spirit man, get your heart man built up. And suddenly you've got strength to deal with the issues that are at stake. Okay. All right. So I don't know why I went down that little trail. But now we're going to have a quick look. So we've got that scripture up. So, oh, I was telling you, yes. So in the middle of all of this excitement about, you know, studying <laughs> uh, deeply, the Lord said, enough of that and I was staggered that the Lord would stop me from um, 
studying biblical stuff. And I just said, Lord, why? And, and many times what Lord Holy Spirit does with me is I will find myself singing something. Sometimes if God can't get it through during the daytime, he'll wait till I'm sleeping. And then <laughs> when I'm quiet, he'll let that song come through in my heart. And then I know it ministers. Remember I came at it last time and I sang that he is exalted. He is, that's exactly what had happened. That just came through, see? Now, I'm not that clever like Lucy who brings new songs through, but, but the Lord uses the bank of songs I know. And that comes through and it ministers to my spirit. And that when I wake up and I find myself singing something from my heart, guys, I always take note of what it is because Holy, Lord Holy Spirit is ministering to my heart. And um, at that time, the Lord began to sing in my heart. Um, and it was, um, thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. You, I'm not getting this out very melodiously. Holy Spirit, won't you teach me more about his holy name? Now, I couldn't get away from that that the Holy Spirit wanted to teach me and that I was not to de depend on professors and directors of education. I, I was, I wept. Pete said, oh, come on, Anne, it's like there's been a death in the family. I said, there has. Because <laughs> it was so much easier to study with the university curriculum. But the Lord said, let the Holy Spirit teach you. And then, and then, you know, I was like a rebellious teenager. Look, that, look okay, I was in my 20s, all right. So. But then, okay, so Lord, how are you going to teach me? You know, I have got a chin, I know. So my chin was out there, you know. So how are you going to do it, Lord? <laughs> so he gave me a Bible study with four ladies in it. And I began to teach them. And what the Lord showed me was I was allowed to have. Now, guys, the Lord's got a sense of humor. So he's going to deal with you differently to the way he deals with me. You might be a really gentle person. And I have got gentle streaks in me, okay? But I've also got those rebellious streaks, you know? I know, I know, I know where I am. I know the gray hairs, etc. Still got a bit of old rebellion in me, you know? I watch myself sometimes when I'm driving and I think, Bellingham, obey the law. <laughs> and so he knew that he had to deal with me in that road, in that in that way, you know? And, and so he said, you can have the concordance <laughs> and you can have the Bible dictionary that I had from the university. So I was allowed those two books with my Bible and I had to make it work. And guys, that's how, that's how I've studied ever since. At a point where I never expected it, the Lord said, go back and finish that degree. I said, absolutely staggered. I thought, but Lord, that, it's the same as when it was. And, he's, and, and he just let it ride. You know, the Lord lets that happen to me every now and then. He just lets it ride. And you've got the answer, but you don't know how it's going to work out. And, and, and why did I need that? Because the church that I was with in Durban, South Africa, Durban Christian Center, I didn't realize it, but all of a sudden somebody was going to leave and they needed, um, they called it an academic dean. It was really just a runner of the Bible college. You know, somebody to run the Bible college but they were using the American uh, lingo. And, and obviously, the education system in South Africa wasn't going to take note of anything that was happening there 
unless somebody had a degree. Now, I really had my teacher's um, qualification. I had done teacher's training college, but I was then doing my degree part-time, you see. And so I needed that degree. So God said, go and do it. And I said, well, how am I going to write these letters, these, these, these lessons, Lord? Because you said only the concordance and only the, um, <laughs> the Bible dictionary. And, and, and I was so distressed by what they said because they had changed the curriculum in the years in between. And it was now one of these liberal approaches. And I didn't want to be involved in that. And there was one professor who'd got saved. And, and he had a beautiful section on the Holy Spirit, which was just wonderful. It was like out the New Testament. But there was this, this, this horrible libertine way of looking at the scriptures and bringing in unbelief, really. That was what they were doing. And, and, and I went to the one professor, because I, I just thought, I can't carry on with this. And we were having a, a Saturday where they had come down specially to Durban, and we were having a couple of lectures. And, and I went to him, and I said, you know, so many times I don't agree with what you want me to write in an essay for me to get marks. And he said, he, said, he almost said it with relief. He said, if you will show us with backup where you get your answers from, we will relish getting somebody submitting an essay that is showing you know, where you are getting your information from. Well, my cross-references were scripture. Shh. It was much harder to write that essay I want to share with you. <laughs> anyway, God is concerned about your heart. So as a result, I've had to go and find out what the Hebrew and the Greek words mean. I once tried to study Greek. I'm not a natural with languages, unfortunately. And I think if I go and put my mind to it, it would be better now. But guys, I want to share with you, just so that you know the inferences, to work with a concordance is brilliant. I know that you can get brilliant concordances online. I actually simply work with my big old book. You know, I carry it around with me. Last week when we were on holiday, I had my big old youngs in the car with me. I know my sister looks at me strangely. But guys, it's, I've got to have it because that's part of my arsonry, you know, arsonry. My arsenal, arsenal, oh, arsenal, sorry, Cynthia, and <laughs> so I want to just show you, just to get a feel for it, okay, so where's that next slide, please, John, okay, so man, tripod being, now you've seen me with these slides before, so it's not new, okay, so what we see is that man is made up of spirit, and soul, and you can see that I've got the mind, the will, and the emotions there. This is really the way that we look at it in the church as well as, you know, we're picking it up from psychology and, and, and so on. And then, and then the body, see? So we, we see man as that tripod being. Now, what we're looking at is the spirit. That's what we're looking at today. So when, we, when I come, uh, have an opportunity to speak again in two Sundays' time, we will look at some really important stuff about the conscience um, because I think that the church doesn't understand the impact of the conscience. And we'll also look at the will because both of those areas can totally influence your spirit. And you can see that I've got little arrows from the mind and the will and the emotions pointing in at the spirit. And, and I want you to see that because I want you to see that those are the influences that our spirit 
is subjected to, okay? And then you've, you've got your body. So now remember what we read about that, of, of that uh, Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37. Uh, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, that's your spirit, with all of your soul, and with all of your might, okay? Or strength. So that's your body, you see? And so who lives within our spirit? It is the Holy Spirit, which means that anybody, so we, we're going to have that little cloud come in that shows the Holy Spirit. John, thank you. <laughs> so we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit when we are born again of the Spirit of God. Do you remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus? We must be born again. The wind will blow. The wind of the Spirit will blow, okay? But when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are born again of the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit. The, the, really, guys, we're talking, try, um, we, we're talking the Trinity of God here. It is Jesus who comes and dwells within us by the Holy Spirit. In John 14, Jesus said, another counselor, another comforter will come. And he will be with you and he will be in you. Amen. Oh, you see. So now I want you to come. We use the scripture because it was tabernacles. We use the scripture, but we used it differently. I'm, I'm coming straight back to John 7. And I want you to have a look at what Jesus said on that last and final, that eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles. So that was Wednesday week ago. Okay. Uh, Jesus said, Wednesday week ago, when, last Wednesday, I think. And on that last day, verse 37, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out and he said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, the scripture says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Now, guys, I want you to hear that Jesus did not say the heart there, but he said, from your innermost being. The King James Version says, from your belly will flow rivers of living water. So I went along to my concordance. I mean, I first had to find it for the New American Standard, you know, because out of your innermost being is what mine says. King James, out of your belly. I'm not sure what the Amplified says. But the big thing is, guys, that when you look at that scripture for the innermost being, for the belly, it is the whole cavity. So it just says, what is that innermost being? It's the cavity. Now, what I so appreciate from John is verse um, 39. By this, Jesus spoke of the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so Jesus was saying to us, if you are thirsty, come to me. Because you will have rivers of living water fill you to that point where there is going to be an overflow. And from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Now, when we began to worship this morning, when we began to praise, actually, even before we entered into worship, there was a river beginning to flow. And then it gained momentum, you know. And, and by the time that we'd, we'd sung and sung and sung. And then by the time that Emmanuel actually said, begin to stamp as we were singing, what was that phrase we were singing? You are good, you are good. And we began to stamp it because we were declaring it and we were taking authority. 
I mean, by that time, guys, there was a river flowing here. Amen. And where was it flowing from? It was flowing from our innermost being. It was flowing from our heart. Amen. Now, what I'm hoping that you're going to see is every time I say one of these things, here's a strengthening of your heart. Be thirsty is the key. Be thirsty. When something comes at you and you think, I don't understand. Why is my life being knocked by this particular thing? Turn to the Lord and just say, Lord, I thirst after understanding what is happening here. Lord, I thirst after you being the solution in this crisis. And, and guys, that thirsting after him, there was an amazing man. I just can't think of his name at the minute. But he, he had an experience where the pulpit split and he talked, uh, uh, Tenny. And, and he, um, <laughs> and I mean, he was on the floor. And, and you can imagine, huh? I mean, God sending lightning and causing a, 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 um, a, a pulpit to split. Didn't happen here this morning. Pity. <laughs> I'm smeaning it, Lord. I'm not being, I'm not being callous. <laughs> Saying, gee, Lord, we long for the pupil, the, the pupil, the, the, the pulpit to split. Because we are sharing the word of God <laughs> so dynamically. Tommy Tenney. He, he didn't even think he was sharing that dynamically, you know. But he, it, I think it was a father's day and he was speaking about being a father. And, and, the, and the thing splits. I hope I've got the right man in the right pulpit. But, but, but he began to, he was so hungry after God. He was a worshiper. He was so hungry after God. And, and he, began to, he began to coin the phrase, chasing after God. I'm chasing after God. That's a modern version of be thirsty because from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Amen. So I want to look at some, I want to look at some uh, translations from the Hebrew and from the Greek. I mean, I've just, I've just done it quickly. So first of all, here's might. So love the Lord your God with all your might. It's your body. It, look at those, those translations from the Hebrew and the Greek. Vehemence. Vehemently. You know, um, when I think vehemently, I think Ealing Broadway, when they give me, I mean, Ealing Council, when they give me one of those penalties for parking in the wrong spot or, you know. <laughs> There's a vehemence about me. <laughs> Channel it into God. Don't spend energy on stuff that's not going to be of consequence in the kingdom of God. <laughs> be intensive, you know. Strength, forcefulness. Isn't that amazing? This is how we're worshiping God with forcefulness, with might, with power. I love that. I absolutely love that. It makes sense of all the Psalms where David gets the entire orchestra out and they are going for God with everything that's within them. You know what I mean? When you are worshiping God with all of your tootsies going, amen, and you are spinning, oh, it's just beautiful. Right, then what about your soul? Now, this is a, this is a shock to our systems. So this is like Genesis 1 verse 26 where God said, let us create man. And once he created man, you know, there we go. Um, the Lord breathed into man and he had life. So there's our soul. Now this is scriptural, slightly different to what I had on that diagram a moment ago, okay? But the scriptural, the soul is a breathing creature. Um, 
You've been breathed upon. And then the Greek adds the rational, immortal soul. So that un until that point, the Greek and Hebrew are the same about the breath. So your soul is the breath of life. So when somebody that you know and love, maybe a mother, maybe a father, maybe a, a, a partner, a husband or wife, when that person dies, the breath leaves them, okay? And so the breath of life, okay? Now that's how almost intangible a soul is. Isn't that beautiful? I just so rejoiced when I found that last week. Just loved it. Because I, had, I was so used to my way of seeing things that this was a new revelation again. And it was because I went back to that dear old concordance with the Greek and the Hebrew and the Holy Spirit was saying, there you are, I'm teaching you all over again. Ancient, but you still need to be taught. <laughs> and then the spirit. And when we look at the spirit, we find that the um, spirit and the heart, the heart was considered, and I mean, it's just called kardos in the Greek, you know, the heart was considered to be the most um, internal organ. And so the most interior organ covered over. Isn't that amazing? Because immediately I start thinking of the scriptures, for example, in Job, where it spoke of how um, the enemy was so mad, the devil was so mad with God because Job was so righteous. So this is chapter one and chapter three of Job that he says, the reason why Job is so righteous is because you've got a hedge of protection around him. And that's kind of where I see that translation about the heart. You know, that there's that protection around our heart that the Lord has given. And um, figuratively, the feelings, the will, the thoughts, even the intellect are considered to be a part um, of the heart. Now, what we saw in that previous diagram was those influencing the spirit. Amen. And, and guys, those translations to me are really exciting because it helps us to identify just exactly how we are operating as one who has the breath of life and who is operating in Christ Jesus. Amen. And of course, the big one is that the Lord Holy Spirit comes and lives within our spirit man which means that every person who is not born again does not have that joy of having God live within their heart. And that's the good news that we are trying to communicate um, with everybody, that they are able to actually uh, reach that point. Now, you can tell that when it comes to the spirit and the soul, there's very close so I want you to come to a scripture. There's no new scriptures in what I'm sharing with you today. I want you to come to if, um, Hebrews chapter 4, and I want you to see what it says there. And in essence, what it shows us is um, the Lord Jesus Christ as our high priest. And um, I mean, chapter 4 has been brilliant. Verse 11, let us be diligent to enter the rest and then it goes to verse 12. And Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, for the word of God, the logos of God, is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division 
of soul and spirit. Isn't that amazing? Okay? Of both joints and marrow. And able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. I, I remember my mom used to always get me to make the soup. Ah, oh, grown mom in the soup, you know. She was bored of making soup, so I had to make it. And so we always used to start with big marrow bones. And we'd put these shin bones that had been cut by the butcher. We'd put them in the pot first. <laughs> and then you'd have to peel a hundred vegetables and stick them in the pot with it, you know. <laughs> and, but you, you look at the bone. It was always intriguing to me. But remember, I was a biology teacher eventually, you know. You'd look at the bone. And there's the bone. And in the middle, in a cross-section of the, of the, there is the marrow, you know. And that's an easy one because that's the yellow fat marrow. When you get the top end of a joint and you cut that, you don't see the yellow marrow anymore. Now there's red marrow. Now that is a different story altogether. That is really tough to try to um, kind of separate. And you know, what I, what I enjoy is that God is saying that his word is able to slice right through that. And there's the division. There's the distinction. Guys, I, I cherish my heart and what is going on in my heart far more than I think about my soul and my body. You know, that, those have got to catch up with what's going on in my heart. My heart is paramount. You know, I woke up this morning. Now, I'm just telling you about how I wake up because God ministers to me when I'm singing, you know. Now, hang on, I've lost the first line. I'll get it. I'll get it. Here it is. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Precious, huh? Now, I really am going back. That was 1836. <laughs> I just keep going further and further back every time that the Lord ministers to my heart. You know, he's got to use what I've got in my heart, you see. I haven't got all the new ones yet. I'm, I'm waking, I'm not really waking up yet, but I find myself singing Lucy's ones now because I've got it in the, in the car, you know. So every now and then, you know, undivided. You know, that's where our hearts must be. Undivided, you know. No double opinions. One opinion. That's really what I'm ministering today. <laughs> God wants us to have one opinion about him in our hearts. Amen. Amen. So, of course, why did God give that to me this morning? Because if I'm telling you that the Lord has given me the heart to speak about, then my heart better be clean. So I thought, okay, okay, I better go to the park with the dog. So we went to the park <laughs> and I began to say to the Lord, Lord, what is there that I need to sort out with you before I go and minister this morning and share about the heart with everyone? And there it was, up it came. And I thought, oh Lord, I'm so sorry. 
And I just thought, right, Lord, thank you that you wash that away with your blood. How could I let that? See, where was that? It was a thought in my mind that had been little erosion taking place, you know? I just got rid of it straight away, guys. And the enemy always tries to bring it back. He tried to bring it back here in the front row. And I thought, oh, no, no, no. Thank you for your blood, Lord Jesus. Amen. We deal with it straight away. Remember how the Israelites had to wait for the Day of Atonement? That's what I shared two weeks ago. On the Day of Atonement, then all the confession of sin for the year, all, you know, intended sin, unintended sin, all got once a year. Because I can go to the park and do it. I can stand here and do it. Lord, forgive me for my sin. Wash my heart, Lord, that it might be pure before you. Amen. So there's a lot of washing that goes on in this heart, guys. <laughs> but I want to keep my relationship with the Lord sweet so that I'm able to shine out for him, you see? Okay. So where am I going to take you next? So that was Hebrews 4 and verse 12. Right. While we're in Hebrews, let's go to chapter 9. And really, this just reflects exactly what we saw in that um, song. And that is verse 22. According to the law, the writer of Hebrews says, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. But you see, it then goes on and it says, verse 24, Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a copy of the true one, but he went into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God for us all. And that's where we were going with tabernacles two weeks ago. God's heavenly tabernacle, we've had copies of that down here, but God's heavenly tabernacle Oh, guys, you know, that's, that's the true tabernacle. That's what, that's the true abiding place of God, you see? And Jesus went with his blood that day, and he entered before the Lord. And that is, is a, look, look at the end of verse 26. He had been manifest to put away sin by the sacrifice um, of himself, and in as much as it's appointed for men to die once, and after that comes the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin. So those of us who put our faith in that blood of Jesus that has been shed to wash away our sin, the result is going to be that the next time we see Jesus, it's when he's coming back again to fetch his bride his church, and we are going to be joining with Jesus in the air and going to the heavenly tabernacle. What joy. Amen. Our ultimate destination. Okay. So now the girding of your heart. I want us to go to Matthew and uh, chapter 13. Matthew 13. And I want us to look at Jesus um, sharing the parable of the seed. Now, um, verse 3, the sower went out to sow. You know this parable backwards, so I'm, I'm expecting you to have that knowledge. If you don't have that knowledge, just listen, okay? <laughs> and then verse 4, some seed fell beside the road, the birds came, ate it up. 
Verse 5, others fell on rocky places. They didn't have much soil. Sprang up because there was no depth of soil. When the sun had risen, they were scorched and they died because they didn't have any root. Verse 7, others fell among thorns which came and choked them. Others fell on the good soil, yielded a crop 160 and 30 fold. Jesus added, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, let's go to the interpretation. So, verse 19, when anyone hears the word, guys, that's the logos, right? The word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one or the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown where? In his heart. Okay. Many times we look at this and we say, this is the initial seed of the gospel. And so we only use this in terms of sharing the gospel. And we say, when the gospel gets shared and people respond to the gospel and they put their hands up and they make that commitment to Jesus and hallelujah for every one of those commitments, then at that point, the seed is in their hearts. Now what happens And we just pray that they're going to be one of those that's going to produce a harvest, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, and 100 fold. Jesus just did shorthand, 30, 60, and 100 fold, okay? Now, I want to to take you further, and I want to say this also relates to every word about the kingdom of God. So, You know, um, I was sharing uh, something with somebody and said, at that time, when people wanted to go to a Bible college that was on fire for God, they went to Toronto. So I'm talking 94, 95. And then when it got to the end of like 1999, uh, 2003, then the Bible college to go to was the one in Florida. And at the minute, it's Bill Johnson. Now, why does everybody want to go to these Bible colleges? Because that's where the latest truth that is being revealed and exposed to the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit is happening. So, guys, it's not a bad thing. Don't think, why are people running around? It's that they want the, you know, almost the latest, hottest revelation from God. We all like that. We all want that, you know? And, and, and so, what I'm saying to you is, what are we doing with new truth that is coming through. Because that new truth that is coming through, are we allowing it to be snatched from our hearts? Then our heart is missing the opportunity to be strengthened. And that is a really important issue for us as the body of Christ. You know, that's why I'm saying to you, I go back to what Jesus said. Because in what Jesus said, we have the absolute gems of revelation, guys. And we can't afford to miss them. Amen. Then we've got the next one. And the next one says, um, the rocky places, here's the word, the logos, immediately receives it with joy, but has no firm root in themselves. And so I know that sometimes you'll have people who receive something that God is uh, showing uh, revelation-wise, they'll receive it with joy, and they'll go into their church And their church says, oh, no, 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 that doesn't quite line up with our doctrine, you know. 
And um, you, uh, guys, I once had this about um, deliverance. No, I really am talking a long time ago, okay? So I got delivered and set free. Well, you know, if you've experienced deliverance and you've been set free, um, then you really want to just make sure that everybody else that's got a problem with demonic spirits is going to be set free, you know? And, and so, um, well, for strangers coming into the room, I've told you that my marriage was on the rocks. Now I'm telling you that I was demonized. <laughs> You're thinking, who's this? <laughs> but guys, I had a wonderful, happy marriage for many, many, many years. We, we were married 46 years before Pete died. And um, I have been liberated and set free of those spirits of fear and anxiety and, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, for years, guys, I'm trying to think of when it was. Well, 1980, I got set free of those spirits. Now, in 1980, the church that we were with had a problem because... We were, we were running a little church, Pete and I. Um, I think the maximum we ever had in the service was 99. So when we got it, it was a Bible uh, study group that had grown too big, and there were about 30 people. So, you know, we sort of, we kind of built it up. But we were under the umbrella of this group, this evangelistic group. And this guy said to me, if you have been... If you maintain that you have been set free from demons, then you weren't saved. And I said, you can't take away my salvation experience. I mean, I got saved, guys, ages. You know, I got saved when I was 1964, in, in 1964. I knew what had happened to me. I was saved. My heart had been transformed. I was born again in the Spirit of God. So he knew he had me. He said, okay, so... If you were born again when you had this experience, then I think it was just an emotional experience, and you need to renounce it. I couldn't renounce it. Couldn't renounce it, guys, because it was Lord Jesus Christ who was my deliverer. Now, you see, now, I had a choice. Was I going to operate in fear of man, affliction, persecution, or was I going to operate in the Spirit of God? And so we had to actually move on from that group and let somebody else take it and run with it. And we had to go to a group who believed that you got delivered and set free. In fact, I'd been in one of their services when I first got delivered. And so what a relief. Do you know what I mean? Because then you could... So you see what we have to do, okay? So then we look at the next one. So you see, that, that wasn't... The born-again seed, that was the deliverance seed from the word of God, okay? Then we go to the next one, verse 22. This seed is sown on the thorns. This is the one who hears the word. The worry of the world, the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word, and it becomes unfruitful. For years, I hated that verse because I was so busy working that I was finding that the, the demand of secular work and what I loved, which was sharing the gospel, were in conflict with each other. And it constantly felt, and, and, and it constantly felt, I mean, I had to make a decision at the end of 2012 to leave that organization that I was with because they, they wanted you to work so that it was like blood coming out of a stone. Do you know what I mean? And I'd started to manifest... Um, chest pains, which were not heart problems, it was just anxiety, because there was so much to do, and I was traveling all over. I mean, it didn't really, it 
quietened down a little bit when I went back to my old company, but it, I still traveled so much, and that took so much time. And, and I wasn't even traveling to romantic places then. I was going to Leeds. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so, you know, those things, they be, but they become, you know, like weeds choking out what you know God has called you to do. And, and it's just like that, you're wrestling with the thing. And so, you know, in the, in the same way as if unbelief comes against your seed and the devil wants to pluck it out of your heart, you stand against that by finding the scriptures that demonstrate, you know. Then in the same way with this, you need rest. So you need to make sure that you get that rest so that you're able to be in the word of God. Sometimes I used to be so tired that I would go to the word of God and the Bible would be open on my, on my desk and, and I would be reading it and it wasn't even penetrating because I was tired. And, and you can't be in that state when it comes to the word of God. Then you think about that Sabbath that the Lord used to say, you know, that the, um, the, the Jewish nation needed so that they could. And, and the best way that anybody ever, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being religious, huh? But the, the best way that I ever had that described was a guy said, um, he was a Messianic Jew. This is years ago. He said, you know what we used to love? On a Saturday, he said we would, um, we'd go to synagogue, but, but we'd come back and we would just study the word around the dining room table together. You know, that sounded so sweet to me at that point because I was so tired. And, um, but I want to share that with you because... You know, th th you need that place. Mine is my desk, and it looks over the back garden. Look, occasionally I get mad with some of the squirrels and what they're doing to my plow beds. But, you know, <laughs> but generally speaking, I can see a place of rest. You need a place of rest. Now, not all of us can necessarily have the same sort of situation, but there's got to be a place of rest. My designated place of rest is that desk and that seat. And when I sit there, that's my place of rest. You know, now you've got to find a place of rest, guys, so that the word can come through loud and clear. And then, of course, we get the man who, or the woman, who has got a heart. So you, really, that's a heart. You know, like if I was working in my garden, I'd say it's got the miracle grow going, it's got the compost going. That heart is good soil. You put a little plant in there, it just goes, whoa, and it's happy. And that's what we want with the seeds of revelation that the word of God represents. Amen. Have, are you still there? I just remembered there's one thing else I wanted to add. And that is, do you see that very last bit there? Um, oh, no, uh, it's, it's the wrong version. Okay, it's one of the other gospels. Okay, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Now, I want you to come to Mark 3. Where are we? I'm running late again. So, Mark 4. Mark chapter 4, because this is the place where Mark shares the sower and the seed. So gently, I'm saying to you, to edify your heart, to build up your heart, to gird your heart, will you remember this parable differently? Okay. Now, we then find in Mark's gospel, it's different in Matthew, and I started reading Mark's gospel when I first started this study two weeks ago. And so I want you to come back to Mark's gospel with me 
and all that bit that we've just read in Matthew. But Mark doesn't say the bit about the heart. That's why I wanted to go to Matthew's gospel. He just says the seed gets rejected. Whereas I wanted you to see that it's a matter of the heart, that the logos is planted in the heart. And guys, it is breathed on by the Holy Spirit who dwells in your heart, okay? So now, what we've just shared is good because that's how you build up your heart. You counter what we were looking at in terms of the stolen seed, the shallow soil, and the um, weeds choking. And we want that condition that is the full flow. I want you to see what Jesus said. He's just said about, in verse 20, the 30, 60, and 100-fold, and it goes straight on. He said to them, a lamp is not brought to be put under a basket or under a bed. It's not bought, is it not bought to be put on a lampstand? For nothing is hidden except to be revealed. And I just saw again, how do we strengthen our heart? We shine out that revelation which God has just given us. So whatever it is, share it. I got into trouble because I shared with people that I'd been delivered of spirits of fear and anxiety and so on, loneliness and, 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 and it was ridiculous, you know. But it, it, but it was hampering my development in Jesus. And so I got delivered of it. I shared it. Guys, the first time that I, we, we have a very religious church in, the, um, in South Africa. The first time that I shared it, it was at the ladies' meeting. It was like a ladies' meeting where all the different denominations came together. This is back in 1981. <laughs> so I shared it, and this lady came to me, and she said, please, will you pray for me, because I need deliverance. Now, the, the devils come out different ways, you know. We're in this very religious setting. And, you know, the, I could have had the Brutaborn come after me, but as a result of that one, I'll tell you what, they're like the secret police in South Africa. This lady, as I prayed for it, said, be free in the name of Jesus. I can't remember the exact words that I used. But as I said, be free in the name of Jesus. <laughs> she put back her head. She opened her mouth. And the demon left with a scream that sounded like a, a train going through at, you know, like 150 miles an hour. She just, I mean, everybody's <laughs> jaws just dropped. I think mine did as well. <laughs> I knew I was in trouble again. <laughs> but it was such a joy to see that woman so beautifully set free. Do you know what I mean? You share. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your spirit is indwelt by the spirit of God. Amen. And so those demons of anxiety and fear, I don't know if you can remember my diagram from weeks back, but those, those demons are in your mind and they are influencing your spirit. They're harassing your spirit, man. And you've got to be set free of them. Now, I want to touch on that the next time that we talk, okay? So shining out what Jesus has done in your heart. I remember those little uh, gospel tracts where the four laws of salvation you had to go and share what had just happened with you. And you had to go and read your word and you had to go and, um, and pray. That those were the things that they said, now this is what you must do. There were four and I can't think of the fourth one. But, but that third one was go and share. 
And you see, when we go and share that we're born again, we go and share that we've been healed, we go and share that we've been delivered, guys, it, it, it just strengthens your heart. So that's why the Lord is saying, shine. And then the next one, this is all strengthening stuff now. The next one is verse 24. Take care what you listen to. See, we can't afford to have our conscience seared by watching and listening to stuff that we should not be observing. So we need to make sure, guys, that we filter out that which is not of God, that is not going to build our spirit, and that we do not partake in it. Amen. And that's going to help us understand when we should change um, channels on the TV. I really wanted to watch something the other day. And after five minutes, this man was uh, operating in such an antichrist spirit. It was with regret, <laughs> because I wanted to watch the program. But with regret, I fired them. And I said, I'll watch Sky News. <laughs> Mind you, sometimes the news you've got to watch as well. <laughs> and then Jesus said another thing, and it was this. Verse 26. Kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed on the soil. He goes to bed at night. He gets up in the day. The seed sprouts and grows. How? He doesn't know. Soil produces crops by itself. The blade, the head, the mature grain. And when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, that's the man with the heart that can develop as a harvest 30, 60, and 100-fold. Guys, it's the power of the seed. We've got to anticipate that. Don't think, oh, who am I? I'm just a little old me. You know, I, what I say doesn't really count much, etc. No, think of the power of the seed. Jesus says that power of that seed is just going to develop, you know, a crop that is going to be a full harvest. And so we've got to have an expectation in our heart that the seed of the word of God sown into our hearts is going to have that kind of crop. Amen? Amen. And then finally, and I'm going to finish here, we look at the parable of the mustard seed. And Jesus in verse 30 says, we picture the kingdom of God. How can we do it? By a mustard seed. Verse 31. When it's sown, this tiny little seed becomes a garden plant with large branches. Now, apparently, a mustard tree is not like an oak tree. It's just like a medium-sized tree. But what Lord Jesus was saying was, when you think of the tiny seed, this is the incredible size of the plant. So here's another expectation for our hearts as we gird up our hearts. And that is, whatever the size of the seed is that we are going to sow, expect a harvest that is way bigger. I've got a little oak tree. Well, guys, I love oak trees. They're indigenous. So every house I've ever lived in, I plant an oak tree. You know, and some, some oak trees are not planted in the right spot. But hey, I bet that they are producing acorns. <laughs> and you know, when you look at this, the seed that an acorn represents, it's big. And the squirrels take it and they bury it somewhere. Next minute you've got an oak tree growing. But you think of the size of an oak tree. I stand under an oak tree, and it's way beyond the seed, you know, the really mature ones in the park. And, and, and I just want to, I want to encourage you. I want to say, think of the seed that God is planting in your heart. You know, it's going to reach a point where the seed is so large that it is going to bring forth 
one single plant that is going to come forth from that seed that is in your heart is going to be that glorious that it is going to be just huge and, you know, the the oaks of righteousness, remember someone? We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 